1: Hey, Welcome to another edition of Simply Financial. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Kevin Ray, and we are going to fill you up with lots of great financial advice, information, talk a little retirement on today's show, and we'll have some fun along the way. Our main topic today is going to be about the important ages that you need to be aware of when it comes to planning for retirement, and uh, we'll kind of walk you through all the way from age 50 through your 70s. What are the milestone ages where you really need to start paying attention to certain financial elements? We'll talk about that coming up in a few minutes, plus much more on the way. Kevin, it is good to be with you this week. Are you staying warm? Yeah,
0: you know, Walter, I once (laughs) bought myself a good down coat, you know, goose down coat. Nice, yeah. I got to find goose down pants, because from my waist up, I'm pretty warm, but... You know, in the pants, it's pretty cold out here. But we're going to get a break, so it'll get better.
1: Nice. I got a new jacket last week as well before we went up into the mountains. Mine, mine had started to bust at the seams. I did too much of uh, snowboarding last year and I think too much falling. It uh, it destroyed that coat in one year. So it was either a really bad coat or I fell a lot last year. <laughs> I and think you uh, fell a lot last I year. I did fall a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I was busting at multiple seams. And so got a, got a new jacket for, uh, for the rest of this winter. And, man, that sucker is warm. Spent just a little bit more than I did last year, and I think that extra quality is going to really pay off. It's a Columbia jacket, you know, good brand, and yep. um, got multi-layers inside. It's toasty. I was out there in 14-degree weather and for a while, and uh, I was sweating on the inside. So <laughs> it was doing a good job.
0: Well, I went and bought a cool jacket that's goose down filled, and it is the warmest thing. I got it over there in the at that Little Forks Outfitters, you know, the fly shop over there and it was a good buy. It was so good that Lynette wore it outside now she wants to go get one. So. Uh-oh, she's she's stealing
1: <laughs> she stole the jacket from you. She huh? stole
0: my jacket right away and I'm like, all <laughs> hey, we got to get your own." So <laughs> Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah. yeah. Nothing nothing beats the goose down. Those are always the way to go. It's uh,
0: it's like windproof. Nothing gets through that thing.
1: It's it's the best. Yeah. yeah you, you know, yeah. you you learn when you live in these cold weather environments, you learn how to take care of it, right? You get, just keep keep the core warm and keep your, you know, the the feet and the toes, the toes and the hands warm and you're good to go. right? Yes. You know, yes. so I actually like getting a little bit of cool on my head. So I don't, I don't wear the toboggans and stocking caps and all that too much. So just overheats me. I find, I don't know about you.
0: Well, I normally wear them around my ears. You know, those things that just go around your ears, the head I leave open. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're, normally.
1: you're, an, you're an earmuff guy. Yeah.
0: Not an earmuff, but they, you know, they go, uh, I guess they're muffs. They, you know, they're cloth. They wrap around your head and go.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's okay. I'm not making fun of you for wearing any of your muffs. That's all well, right. I'm
0: getting old, you know. I'm going to do, do it. Keeps you warm. I can't do the do the fun stuff now.
1: We we did see some ice fishermen out on a lake uh, the other day. Made me made me think of you. Have you gotten out to do any ice fishing yet? No, but I suspect
0: this. You know, this within the next couple of days it'll be thick enough out there to go out there somewhere and ice fish. Yeah,
1: so, that recent cool. the recent cool yep. down has uh, yep. probably yep. increased those chances for you. So. Yes. Well, very good. Well, uh, speaking of getting older, Kevin, since you mentioned it a minute ago, I wasn't going to make that segue, but since since you brought it up, I know you better. We're going to talk about getting older and in a way on today's show, those important ages that you need to consider and what to do from a retirement planning standpoint as you hit these different milestones. So pretty simple, Kevin. We're just going to walk through some of these milestone ages. We'll go chronologically just so it's easy to follow and uh, just looking for what do we need to be focusing on as we hit these milestones. So the first one is age 50. Uh, so people are still probably in their working years at that point, maybe 10 to 15 years away from retirement. What are we really starting to focus on as we hit that age?
0: Well, age fifty. So let's think about that for a minute, Walter. You know, the kids are typically out of school, right? Maybe they're out of college. You, know, you got a good handle on your house, and you know, you typically have a little bit more money in your pocket because of of those things we just mentioned. But now you're, you're eligible for it's called a catch up contribution. So catch up contribution is this: if you hit fifty, age fifty, you're able to put more money. In your 401k, your IRAs, your 403bs, those types of things. So for for example, um, 401k, Walter. If you're 49, you're allowed so much, but if you're 50, you can put 7,500 more in per year. So what does that do? Well, it's going to help you get to retirement, you know, your goals a little bit quicker because now you can add more money. And in most cases, I see that's a, that's easier to do now because of the reasons you know, kids are out of school, your house is paid off, those types of things. And so that's a great opportunity for people to sit down. Do, look at the planning and see if I if I max out my 401k at age 49. Now I can a- add an additional 7500 after 50 and 50 and after. And you can also add more to your IRAs and those types of things. So it's a great time. Sit down with your advisor, see how it impacts your um, your retirement, and maybe it'll get you there a little bit quicker, and you can retire a year earlier. Who knows? But this is one of the things that can help you catch up for all the things that you've been missing. Uh, prior, uh, because the money wasn't available. And this is one way to speed up that um, retirement process.
1: Pretty nice that you make uh, that they make you eligible for those additional contributions uh, at age 50. So yeah, if you're retiring at 65, that gives you 15 additional years of increased savings opportunities in those prioritized plans. So pretty cool. That could be huge. Yeah. Now, between 50 and 55, maybe not a whole lot happens in terms of uh, rules or things to be aware of. But we hit 55. We hit a few other things that pop up. Uh, what's there to pay attention if we start to get to that age?
0: Well, I just had this discussion yesterday with one of my clients, and she's going to be 57. So she 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 was curious. how we, you know, we in this plan that we put together, Simplicity Tree Plan, how is she going to be able to take income without paying a penalty? Because most people are aware of the 59 and a half, I'm assuming you're going there in a minute, But if you have a 401k, 403b, and you retire in the year you're 55 or later, you can access those funds without that 10% penalty. So age 55, when people are going to retire earlier, we, we want to look at that. So in her case, I showed how much money, what's your shortfall from age 57 to 59. We figured that out. We're going to set that money aside. We're going to leave it in the 401k. And we're going to draw on that until she reaches 59 and a half. So why am I going to do that? Because if we take from her IRA, there's a 10% penalty from the IRS. If we take it from her 401k, because she's still working and she retires from that job, she's going to be 55 and older, no 10% penalty. So it's going to save 10% in, in penalties just on that alone. So that's a tool that most people don't know is out there because they think, well, I got to wait till 59 and a half. You don't if you're currently working at that job and you're currently 55 and older. That's one of the ways that if you come into my office and you're going to retire before age 59 and a half, we're going to sit down, we're going to talk about this. And there's some other things along there, too, that, um, that that you can do. But the 55, that's the key one for most people to concentrate on. Yeah, that 401k is available um, to take out without that 10 percent penalty from Uncle Sam.
1: Okay, very good. Talking about these different ages in retirement planning. If we hit on something that strikes a chord with you in terms of this conversation, and uh, we hit on an age that maybe you are approaching or currently at right now, and you're kind of saying, "Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking advantage of this opportunity, or I didn't know I could do X, Y, and Z now that I'm of this age or this close to retirement. Those are all good cues that it's time to get a great financial plan in place. Kevin Ray and the team at Inside Folios can help you out with that. You can set up a time for a complimentary review of your financial. Finances by calling 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-PLAN. Or go online to insightfolios.com. Just let Kevin know you'd like to have a review of your financial and retirement plan, and he can help set that up for you. And it can start with a simple question, or you can launch right into full-blown planning, but it usually begins with a question or two over the phone and then taking it from there. All right, so we've talked about 50, 55. Now the dates are going to start to squeeze together a little bit closer once we get to that 59 and a half mark. You mentioned it uh, kind of a, a moment there before that that was coming up on our milestone list, and, yeah, what's starting to get unlocked here right before we turn 60?
0: Oh, I like how you said the unlocked. I always say take the handcuffs off. Ah, unlocked, I like that. Unlocked, yeah. So you're age 59 and a half. You're age 59 and six months. Don't ask me how to come up with the half.
1: Yeah, but, I hate those half things, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense to me, but that's what they do. So what, is that, what does that do? So if you have IRAs out there, you're able to withdraw um, whatever you want from the IRA without a penalty from the IRS. So if you're 59 and you take, let's say you take $10,000 out, well, they're going to penalize you ten percent or a thousand dollars if you're 59 and a half you take the ten thousand dollars out no thousand dollar penalty in that, in that instance we're just talking about so those are ways that you know most people think well I got to work till 60 because I need to you know get past that 59 and a half mark I don't want to pay that 10 percent penalty from the IRS Well, you can do this 59 and a half remember if you had, we just talked about 55 you can take from your IRAs but if you're under 59 and a half And you have IRAs, Walter. I don't know if you're going to go into this or not, but there's something called a 72T calculation that allows you to withdraw from your IRAs without penalty, but there's a formula and there's guidelines that you have to follow from the IRS. And those are available too. So not very often do we use those, but they are there for an option. And If somebody has to retire prematurely and, and we need some money, well, we're going to look at that option too. So that is prior to 59 and a half. You can do that also.
1: Okay, very good. Uh, once we hit 59 and a half, it's not too long before our next big milestone comes up and this is definitely a biggie for a lot of people, Kevin. Age 62. I think we all know what's going on at this point, right?
0: Well, you just passed 61, right? Yep. Yeah. So 62 is 62 so you can you're eligible for social security. We all I think we all know that. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is if you take it at 62, what's going to happen, Walter, if you wait till say 66 or 67?
1: Well, you're going to get a lower a lower amount on your yes. benefit if you go for it at 62, right?
0: You're going to get a reduced amount. Yep. Yep. And then if you're drawing, here's the one thing that people a lot of people don't uh, take into consideration. So you're going to retire at 62, but you're going to work part time. You, you've heard of people doing this, right? A lot
1: of people have done that. Yeah. Yeah. My well, my dad even did that uh, just for a couple of months. But he he sort of retired from full time work, but then worked part time for the summer before officially retiring.
0: Yeah. So if you're in that boat, you thought, well, I'm going to retire from whatever company. I'm going to start my Social Security, and then I'm going to work part-time. There's income limits that you can make. So it's somewhere in the neighborhood, and it changes from year to year. I haven't looked at the new numbers, but it's around $21,000, $22,000 a year. So if you make more than that, and you're drawing Social Security at age 62, for every $2 you're over, they'll take a dollar away in your Social Security benefit. So if you're thinking, I'm going to retire at 62 I'm gonna start working part-time. You gotta be very careful of how much income that you're gonna have prior to that because it may, it may, it may, you know, avoid what you're trying to do. You may have to give back a bunch of that social security. So you have to be careful going into that and make sure that 62 is gonna work in your particular instance. How do you know? Well, that simplicity process we talk about every week. In that plan, we're gonna count that as your income, your pensions, and we're gonna add it all up. And we're gonna see, does it make sense to take it at sixty-two? Does it make it make sense at sixty-five or sixty-six or whatever age? So if we if we're gonna retire at sixty-two, where's the income gonna come from? Well, maybe we spend down your four oh one Ks, and there's a reason for that, because if you have enough income, on top of them reducing your Social Security at sixty-two, then they're gonna start taxing it. So that can be a huge chunk of money that you may be missing at the end of the year because you're taking a reduced amount. In other words, um, you're going to get less than you did at full retirement age, and then you're making 30000 so you're going to get less than you did when you originally signed up to it. And now because you're making so much, you're going to tax it on top of that. So you got to be very, very careful going down that road and make sure that you're planning correctly make sure it's in your best interest.
1: A lot of great points there, Kevin. All right, so Social Security brings up some big conversations for sure. It will reappear in a few minutes uh, in this milestone age list. But before we get to that next Social Security milestone, we got one other one that is kind of shoved in between at age sixty-five. Uh, this one's a, a biggie for a lot of people.
0: It is because when people come to my office, Walter, you know, they you know, we sit down, we do the planning, and there's always one thing they're concerned about: how they're going to pay for their health insurance if they retire prior to 65. So that's a conversation we always have, but at age 65, Medicare is going to be your primary health insurance. In most cases, if you're still working, you can do other things, but if you're not working, you have to call you know, Social Security, sign up for Medicare beforehand, otherwise there's some penalties for the rest of your life if you don't do this correctly. So make sure that before you get 65, you get all the things in order, so you don't pay that penalty from this point forward uh, going in there. So Medicare be your primary insurance, and let will give you an example, my dad worked at um uh, General Motors and so Medicare was his primary insurance and then his General Motors his Blue Cross Blue Shield was a supplementary insurance supplement insurance so in other words what Medicare didn't pay because remember Medicare doesn't pay for 100% of everything most people are going to have some sort of supplement in my dad's case that was uh, his Blue Cross from General Motors but if you retired from a place and you don't lo- you no longer have Um, that health insurance, you're going to have to pick one up on the outside to cover, you know, the loophole. I mean, not the the holes that Medicare has that that they don't cover for those types of things. But the key here is, is don't wait till you're 65 to get this process started. Go, you know, I, I tell people three, four months, start looking into it so you can get ready and apply for it so you don't pay that penalty for the rest of your life.
1: That's a great point. Yeah, we may be talking about the ages at which things kick in, but the planning for each of these things ideally will be happening uh, in before. advance, if not yeah. a, a year, maybe more. Uh, like you mentioned, for some of these things, need to be part of your plan early on. Uh, especially the later we get here, these things need to be figured out before you get to some of the earlier milestones, like Social Security um, and and one that's going to be coming up in a couple of minutes, uh, Medicare, uh, those kinds of things. So uh, definitely make sure that you're putting that plan together earlier on in life. But we're at least laying out the chronology of when these important milestones pop up. We get yeah, to what, our, what, what, yeah, go one ahead, Kevin. thing, Cam.
0: too, Walter, I hate to interrupt you, but th- that came to mind. You mentioned Social Security. So if you're a widow and your spouse has passed, you are eligible to draw Social Security 860. So maybe in this case, you draw your spouse's, let yours grow and defer. That's another conversation to have, too. And th- those are, you can access that Social Security benefit two years prior in some in most cases, If but you want to make sure you do that correctly, too.
1: Really good point. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this is by certainly no means an exhaustive list of every tiny milestone that's out there or everything that gets unlocked at various ages, but trying to hit some of the big ones, at least on today's show. Our other Social Security important age pops up at 66 or 67. This one gets an or because it kind of depends on when you're born, right?
0: Exactly. So if you're born 1960 or later, that's you, Walter, right?
1: That would be me, yep. I'm
0: trying to age you up here a little bit. Thank you, you got it. That's not working. But if you're born age 1960 or later, your full retirement age is 67. So what are we talking about full retirement age? That's where you don't get a reduction in your benefits. So you're going to get the full amount at age 67. If you take it at 65, they're going to reduce it. 64, they're going to reduce it. So the full retirement age is 67. 1960 or later, if you're born before then, it's 66 and some odd months. And Normally it's 10 months, 9 months, something like that. But when you turn 66 or 67, your full retirement age, what did you call it, Walter? Um, the, the lock comes off?
1: Yeah, unlocked.
0: You unlock this. So you can go to work and you can make as much as you want in that particular instance. There's no there's no lock on your say, I'm limited to X amount of dollars I can take. When you reach full retirement age, you can work full time if you want. And that's not going to count. That They're not going to start taking some dollars away from your Social Security. So those are the things to... To look at, and then if you wait beyond your full retirement age, those benefits are going to grow by 8% per year. And that's a pretty good deal also. So if you're looking at it, well, if I wait till 70, it's going to grow 8% to 67, 68, 69, 70. You're going to get quite a bit more. The thing to to work out on the back end is, all right, so you wait three more years. How much money could you have in your pocket or in your bank for the three years? And then if you wait till 70, what's the break-even point? In most cases, it's going to be 10 to 12 years. So I tell people, are you going to have more fun between here and the age of 80? Are you going to be more able? Or are you going to be? Do you think you'll do it after 80? Most of the time it's prior to 80. So those decisions are going to come into play. And we can show that on the planning software too. If you wait till 70, here's what it does. If you wait till 66, here's what it does, or 62, whatever it is.
1: Okay. Very good. So yeah, you can see we went to fifty nine and a half to sixty two to sixty five to sixty six and sixty seven. The ages really start coming at you fast. Now we get a little bit of a breather, I suppose, uh, after sixty seven. The next big thing we're going to put on the list here uh, would be at age seventy three, um, and this one also kind of has some ores in it as well, right?
0: Right. So age seventy three. It used to be age, people get a clue from it, it used to be age 70 and a half. They had that half in there again. So at age 73 now under the new law, you have to take what's called your RMD, which stands for Required Minimum Distribution. In other words, the government or the IRS has said, listen, you put money in these 401ks all your life, you haven't paid tax on it. Now it's time, you, we're going to tell you you have to take it out and whatever you take out is 100% taxable if it's not in the Roth category. If it's in the traditional, 100% is taxable. And if you don't take out what they, what they specify, the penalty is going to be 25% of which you should have taken out. So if you're supposed to take out $10,000, penalty is $2,500 if you don't. So make sure you sit down. In our office, we, every January we sit down and who's turning 73 this year, we're in contact with them. We're setting up their RMD so it comes automatically so they don't get in trouble. That's an important age to remember because that's a big penalty, 25% if you don't do it correctly. And so don't go down that road, figure that out. And the older you get the more they force you to take out so in other words in but when you're 73 it's it's about three i think 3.6 3.7 percent of whatever your count value was december 31st of the year prior that's what they're going to go off of so just a few days ago december 31st whatever that value was that's what they're going to base your rmd on and they're going to do that every year after and the older you get the shorter your lifespan so the more you're going to have to take out so you want to plan for that too because if you're under 73 and you're thinking well, geez maybe i should take some out now maybe that's a good idea and here's the reason because if you wait till 73 and by the way they're talking about increasing to 75 so if you wait till then and you have to take out a bigger amount it may throw in the next tax bracket so make sure you sit down and you do that planning because maybe 73 makes sense, but maybe 70 makes more sense just for tax purposes. So go down that road, go down that planning, sit down with your advisor and figure that one out also.
1: Okay, very good. Those are all the important ages that we had for you today, except one curveball here at the end. Kevin, what's the most important age of all for somebody planning for retirement? Right now, Walter.
0: (laughs) Yep, right now, right? It's never too early. It's never too late, or it's never too early to start planning for your retirement. Could be too late. So, you know, we just started January 1st. Everybody has resolutions. If this wasn't isn't on your plate, sit down, talk to your advisor. If you don't have advisor, call me. We're going to put that plan together to get you ready for retirement, to prepare you. Make tweaks before you get there. Make some, you know, maybe we do the catch up contributions we're talking about. That'll get you there quicker. There's all these options that are available to you. Just don't wing it. Don't hope you're going to be okay. Let's come, let's come or Let's solve this and make sure you're going to be okay. Let's not base it on a feeling of how I feel about risk on a scale of 1 to 10. I feel eh, I'm, a, I'm a 6 or a 7. So that means somebody's going to build you a portfolio bill on that risk. But if the market tanks, I guarantee you, you your feeling about risk is maybe a 2 now, not 7. So, But you're stuck at that, you know, I feel like I'm 7, I can take the risk. Don't go down that road. Let's solve it. Let's not assume anymore. Let's solve what you need to um, earn going into retirement. So you don't run out of money and that's what i call the retirement money that's what our simplicity process will do is we'll solve it here's how much you have to earn average on your portfolio going forward till age 90 or 95 so you don't run out of money know that number and then you can sort of reverse engineer it i need this so how do we get it what investments fill it and what's in my best interest? All those types of things. It's an easy process. The hardest part, we talked about this last week, which is picking up the phone and making that initial contact. After that, it's all downhill. So don't procrastinate. Don't wait. Start your, your, your retirement. It's not mine. It's your retirement process and get in line. Make sure that you have the confidence before you go down there and sign the final paper saying, I'm retiring.
1: Very good. Here is how you get in touch with Kevin. If you've got questions about your financial life, about one of these important ages, again, the way to reach out is to pick up the phone and call 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-PLAN. You can also uh, leave us a voicemail if you call and uh, don't get an answer. Leave a quick message and the team will return your call. Kevin will set that time up to visit for an initial conversation. You can also reach out online at insightfolios.com. That's insight folios.com click on the listen button to ask questions and listen to past episodes of the show you can tap into more than three decades of experience planning for retirement that kevin brings to the table each and every show and as always into the office when he meets with clients whether you want to come in and say hello in the office and pin conning or meet remotely either way is fine set it all up again by calling 888-885-PLAN and just let kevin know you'd like a complimentary review of your financial plan All right, there's more coming up on today's show, so stay tuned. You're listening to Simply Financial with Kevin Ray. No need to complicate it. This is Simply Financial. Thanks for joining us on Simply Financial today. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Kevin Ray, your financial coach at Insight Folio, serving you all throughout the Tri-City area. Kevin's the co-author of the book Navigating Through Retirement. And if you'd like to pick up a copy and come in for a visit, one-on-one to talk about your financial plan and how you can improve your situation into the future. Pick up the phone and give them a call. 888-885-PLAN is that number. 888-885-7526. Kevin, on today's show, we want to talk a little bit about inheritance frequently asked questions. Some of the most common types of questions that you get from people when they've just gotten or about to get an inheritance this would be a good topic to cover really any time of year, I suppose. But I know this one hits a little bit closer to home to you just because uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about it on the show a couple of weeks ago. You recently lost your father, and so you've kind of this is top of mind, I think, for for you and your family thinking about this kind of situation and, and you see it in your office all the time, right?
0: I do unfortunately. And you're right. I've lost my dad the eighteenth of last month. That was a tough tough thing to go through. He's a good man, and I think this is kind of an important um subject that we're going to go over because all of, you know, the old saying, none of us are getting out of this alive. So, um, we, we all got to be prepared.
1: We need to have plans for these situations as much as one can. And, uh, to try and help us get through it when these things pop up in life and appreciate you taking the time to probably share some of your experience and your recent, um, you know, outlook on this particular, uh, issue and problem that, uh, you know, everybody's going to face probably at some point in time. So, yes, Let's get into it here. The way we're going to present these as uh, statements, so, so real sentences that you might hear somebody say to you when they come into the office. So uh, here would be one potential scenario. Let me know how you would guide people through a situation like this, Kevin. If somebody came to you and said, should mom sign her house over to me before she passes away to avoid having the house as part of the estate? Would that be a, a wise thing to do?
0: Hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna give you some answers for this, Walter. Remember I am not an attorney, so seek your attorney's advice. Okay. But for my from my parents, um I can tell you exactly what we did there. Is my dad, as we said, just passed away. But why wouldn't people want to have their house the part of the estate, Walter?
1: What's uh, it gonna go through? Yeah, it's gonna go through probate. Pro, probate probate and that's right? gonna cause problems, yep. right?
0: So the one thing that people doesn't or don't think about is hey, if it goes through probate and my family's not gonna fight, yeah, it's no big deal. But the, the, the nuance here that you got to be uh, careful of is if it does go through probate and you do go to the nursing home, you didn't buy that insurance that we talked about earlier, and the nursing home can come and put a lien on that home because it goes through the probate, probate process as long as anything else that somebody's going to put a claim on your estate. So what we did for my mom and dad is we got something called a ladybird deed and like Lady Bird Johnson that's how people remember it okay so what what my mom and dad did or my dad did at the times he signed it both over to my brother and I and he had a lifelong lease on it so when he just passed away this is our house it has been our house for a couple of years and um, and we did it for that reason no probate and those types of things so for people that are thinking this either you know the life estate deed some attorneys will tell you you know make it part of a trust but I think that you should do some planning because you don't want to have that asset going through, you know, part of this state. Remember, if it goes through probate, virtually anybody can come and put a put, you know, say so and so said I could get a part of this, or you know, just stop all that confusion, stop all the fighting afterwards. You know, pre-plan, do it pre. You know, before you're gone and make sure it goes to where you want it to go.
1: All good points on that one for sure, Kevin. All right, another scenario. If somebody says, uh, my husband and I had only been married for six years when he died a few months back. He had a life insurance policy but had never updated the beneficiary, so it still lists his ex-wife. I know that he would have wanted the money to go to me, so how do I get that updated? Mm, uh okay.
0: Yeah, uh-oh, that's right. <laughs> Landmine. Okay, that's, <laughs> That's a big oh. You cannot update it once you're, once the, you know, the owner of that life insurance or whoever's insured is gone. It's it's done and over with now. So there's really nothing that you should do. So, but the, what we can tell people out there is, and I, Walter, I'll have people come in my office, maybe t- maybe ten to twenty a year, that I'll say, "Have you updated your beneficiary?" Oh yeah. So we get on, you know, we'll get on my big screen here and we'll pull up some of their accounts and no, they haven't. Uh, or maybe uh, uh-huh. lately there has not been any beneficiary. So if you're if you've been divorced and you are remarried, you haven't updated that beneficiary. Like in this particular case, there's nothing you can do about it because the the you know the insured is gone now. So it's going to go to that uh, ex-wife in this particular case, and, uh, unless there's something else I'm missing here. So.
1: We've tried to toot that horn a lot over the years, right? These yes. beneficiary designations trump pretty much everything else, and so you got to get those things right. And that's scary when somebody thinks they've done the right thing, made the right decision, or, or put the right steps in place, and it hasn't actually happened. That's yeah. that's worse than just not even, you know, that that's sort of like I think I already know, but uh, you know, made a, made a wrong move. That's ooh, that's tough. Yeah, well, I, I, was sitting,
0: <laughs> I was sitting here with a couple here. It was a few years ago, but he worked for one company here locally for 40-some years. Before he's married, he started working there. And I said, have you checked your beneficiaries? Said, oh, I guarantee you my wife is on there. I said, just do me a favor when you come back in, check. And guess what? His mom was on there, not his wife, um, because <laughs> it was before he's married. So we changed it 40-some yeah. years later, right? Those things happen all the time.
1: Oh, gosh, that is crazy. All right. Uh, one, uh, another scenario here, Kevin. Let's say I come into you and I say, My six siblings and I recently inherited 100 acres of family land. I think I'm the only one who wants to keep it in the family. Must be a fellow fisherman coming in to meet with you, Kevin. Or, or you know, Hunter, you bet. Or hunter, I'm right on bet.
0: board so far. Go ahead. Right.
1: <laughs> uh, the rest of them would rather sell it and get the cash. Would it be unwise of me to buy them out so I can have control of the property until I decide what I want to do with it?
0: Well, that's kind of a. Um, in my case, you bet, I'm buying them out. But in your case, it may be a little bit different. Do you have the cash set aside to do that? Do you have credit in, in order to make maybe a land purchase to do that? Is it going to disrupt your, you know, your planning for retirement? Is it going to make you work a couple of years longer? Is it going to disrupt whatever it's going to disrupt out there? So the answer to that is maybe. And how do you how do you determine that? Well, you sit down with your advisor and you go through that process all right so if i'm going to come up to 100 grand was a 100,000 or 100 acres it was wasn't it so 100 acres, 100 probably acres. Going to be yeah, i don't three, know the price probably going to be 3 400,000 at least i would think so that means you got to come up with you know a bunch of money you know, maybe $300,000, three, dollars, dollars 400,000 and that's a tricky situation because it all depends on your own personal situation can we afford it number one what's the you know is it going to derail your your um, Retirement planning number two, um, you know, is it something you're really going to use? Or are you are you going to sell it short term? Number three, all those things come into question, or into question. Excuse me, and that's where it makes sense. Sit down with your accountant, sit down with an attorney, sit down with your advisor, and get some good quality advice to make sure that it makes sense in your in your case. But if it was me, yeah, I'm going to try to buy that land. So
1: yeah, it's great point. And you know, you might be able to get a better deal buying your siblings out than. If you had yes. gone and bought out your own hundred acres of land, because they're not, maybe it doesn't sound like they're emotionally tied to it. They may want a quicker and easier sale, and so handling this may be one of those cases where handling it within the family could be beneficial if everybody's kind of willing to get along here. Yep. That they can make out okay, and then you can get a good deal on that land. So hopefully, you're all pretty cooperative and uh, easy to make something like that happen. But and then give Kevin a call; he'll come out and help you help you go hunting and you know explore the land a little bit, right, Kevin? Oh yeah, I'd, I'd be happy <laughs> to do that hundred acres to explore. That could be fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's go through one more scenario, Kevin. Um, Let's say uh, uh, my parents left me a significant amount of money still managed by their financial advisor. And it's someone that they really liked. So I don't necessarily want to move the money away from the advisor, but I already have an advisor too. So is it a bad idea to have two separate financial advisors This is something that happens when people inherit money that, that, you know, there might have been an actual deep relationship with that advisor. That's kind of a tricky situation, um, at first glance.
0: Well, it is. I mean, that's happened, you know, I've been doing this 30 some years, so I've had parents who have had great relationships and I never met the children and the same type of situation pops up and I'm always like, well, you know, if you have one advisor and you, I think it works out better in most cases because you can, you have all the moving pieces with one person. So in other words, if I'm if I'm looking at an income play for for you and then your other person's looking at a growth play, in other words, they're they're gonna invest for growth, I'm gonna invest for income, they're not gonna mix, right? So you want you want one in my particular opinion, for me, it's one advisor, put your goals down, get that simplicity tree plan like we put together or, or similar plan and make sure that all the investments are working in sync to get you to and through retirement. And that's the that's the trouble I see with two advisors. Two advisors are different. You know, everybody thinks differently. They may say uh, you know, they may think you need more risk than what you actually do or they're they're assuming you need more risk. The difference is is when we sit down, and we have this discussion with people. Um, let's assume. Let's not assume. Let's let's solve what you need, and let's make all the moving parts of your investments and inheritance and those types types of things move towards the same end goal, getting you to and through retirement. So in most cases, I'm going to say, you know, pick one or the other here. I, I hate to say that, and if it's your guy that you like, there's nothing wrong with that. But just make sure that you know you have a conversation with both, and make sure that you whatever advisor you're picking. Is heading in
1: the direction you want to go all right very good thank you for your guidance through all of this kevin and again if you have questions about how to handle an inheritance if one has happened recently or how to better prepare for an inheritance whether you're the person trying to pass that on or just a family trying to figure out all the moving parts. Don't hesitate to reach out to Kevin with those uh, kinds of questions and types of questions. 888-885-PLAN is your number to reach Kevin Ray, your financial coach at Insight Folios, serving you throughout the Tri-City area. 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. You can also go online to insightfolios.com. Click the Listen button to get in touch and to listen to past episodes of the show as well. 888-885-PLAN is the number, though. That's 888-885-PLAN. More coming up on today's show, so stay with us. We'll get to know Kevin a little bit better coming up next and get ready to wrap things up a little bit after that. So stay tuned. You're listening to Simply Financial with Kevin Ray. It's getting to know you time. Well, it's time to get to know Kevin Ray a little bit better on today's show, a quick sidestep from all the financial stuff. Kevin, what is your, it's a deep question this week, what is your biggest regret in life? Or mm. or a regret, it doesn't necessarily have to be your biggest.
0: Yeah, I, I understand. But you know, when my dad was in the hospital, I kind of had this conversation. What about, you know, your mom or your grandfather? Where'd they come from? And we really didn't know. You know, we never mm. when when we're younger, right, we don't ask the questions. So for example, my uncles, be my dad's uncles, my great uncles, there were eight of them in World War II. Eight. Eight? eight wow. Of, eight of them. I sound like I'm from uh, my, my buddy from the South End. There Eight of them. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's eight of them, wow. and they all came back. Huh. Now, out of all eight, Uncle Bill I knew very well. He would never tell you mm. a story unless it was funny about World War II. But all those stories are lost. So for me, the biggest regret is not knowing when my great grandmother. Remember, I talk about my great grandmother all the time on the radio. I was a yeah. first great grandchild. You know, I loved her to death, but I didn't know her story. You know, I didn't know her parents' mm. story, and and you know, all those things are lost now. So, when I'm looking back in life, I you know, I wish I would have had the presence of mind way back when to ask the questions. Hey, what was your mom and dad like? What what was your grandfather and grandfather like? What were the times like? You know, as you remember as kids, all those stories are lost and gone. I wish I'd have dove deeper into those stories as I was younger, because you know, when you're younger, you don't typically think about those things. But that's one of the big, one of the bigger regrets I, I kind of miss out. Now I've done genealogy and go back to the Rays and go back to 1526. Wow. But all I know is the names, right? I don't know the stories yeah, necessarily. Yeah. So all those stories are lost. I wish I wish they would have been carried forward. So
1: Yeah, all all the uh, all the color of those stories is, yeah. is is not there. You've got kind of the data, but not the color commentary. So well, that's that's a that's a really and this sounds weird to say, that's a good regret to have. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's, that, that you recognize that and realize it and then can also kind of tell other people that. So maybe they don't make the same regret and say, yeah, if you've got your, if you're lucky enough to still have your grandparents, talk to them a little bit about their past and, and yeah. learn that because you may regret not knowing it one day
0: because a, pa- a part of you came from something you'll never hear about mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah yeah some of, maybe some of your quirks or whatever came from two generations ago you know just carried forward you don't know where it started that's yeah
1: that's, yeah. yeah Uncle yeah. Uncle Billy picked his fingernails too oh that must be yeah. where I get it, you know? yeah, it
0: must, yeah. <laughs> he, he passed that trait down to me <laughs> that's <Yeah>. right <laughs>
1: Oh, that's good stuff. Well, thank you for sharing that, Kevin. That's very cool. Uh, That's getting to know Kevin a little bit better on today's show. Uh, Quick break, and we'll be back with one of your questions to wrap up this week's edition of Simply Financial. Stay tuned. You deserve great financial advice. You deserve a financial plan that's custom-tailored to your goals. And you deserve confidence about your financial future. If you feel you're missing that level of care from your financial advisor, it's time for a change. Your interests are our priority. Make sure you're getting the most out of your hard-earned wealth schedule a visit with our team call 888-885-PLAN that's 888-885-7526
0: what if we told you there was a simpler
1: way to invest excellent that's what we thought Almost time to wrap things up on Simply Financial. Before we do, Kevin, let's get one quick question here from a listener. Submit your questions online at insightfolios.com. Click the listen button. Herman says, I'll be retiring in a few months after my 65th birthday, but my full retirement age isn't until 66 and eight months. Should I wait until then to start Social Security?
0: Hmm, Herman, that's a good question. Walter, let me give you an illustration, Somebody to give me years ago. How long is the average, Herman's a male average, how long the average male going to live?
1: Just guess, uh, like eighty, right? Eighty. Yeah. The, saw, uh, we'll set from 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 where he is now at almost sixty five. It's like eighty something, yeah.
0: right? So imagine you got a tape ruler, right? Yeah, and you pull out eighty inches. Okay, that's pretty long, isn't it? That is, yeah now you're 65 you're gonna to live to 80 let's put it back into 15 inches Is okay that, does that give you a representation no. we gotta we've
1: just we, just a little past a yardstick at this point right right just okay. a little
0: past the yardstick so in my no, opinion
1: a, a, a footstick not a yardstick <laughs> there you go yeah
0: yeah footstick yeah in my opinion you know you could wait till you're 66 there's a mathematical uh, mathematical question to this or answer to this we could figure that out or there is this question, let's look at are you gonna be more active now between 70, 75, or 80, whatever those dollar fig- or whatever those life ex- expectancies are. To me, I used to figure it out mathematically. I'd say, all right, based on this, let's pull it here. Now I'm a little bit different. I'm like, we're here, if you're in good health, let's use it and let's enjoy it. in most cases, not all cases. There's some there's some circumstances out there where I wouldn't say that. So in order to answer your question, Herman, I need to know a little bit more about you. We need to put that simplicity tree together, plan together, and we'll put it in today and we'll wait till you're 66 and eight months. And I can show you mathematically which way is better, but I can also say, all right, based on whatever your health is, because I don't know that, how long did your parents live, so on and so forth, what are your activities now, and we'll kind of help you. I can't give you a definitive answer. The only way I can tell you which what truly is the right way is when you tell me you're going to die, Herman. nobody knows that. Um, but we can kind of go in there and do the hypotheticals and say, based on what you're saying, I think this is a good time. Or maybe you wait till you're 66 in eight months. Maybe you wait till you're 70. I don't know. But in order to figure that out, come on in, Herman. We'd be, I'd be glad to sit down, put that simplicity tree together for you and get that answer.
1: Very good question, Herman. Thanks for sending that one in to us. And if you have a similar question to Herman's and want to ask that to Kevin and talk one-on-one about the solutions and the other questions it brings up, don't hesitate to talk to him and get that complimentary financial review. You can talk one-on-one with Kevin Ray, who has three decades of experience in helping people plan to get to and all the way through retirement. The number to call is 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. He's your financial coach at Insight Folios based right in Pinconning. Come in, have a conversation, say hello, and talk in depth about your future in terms of retirement and beyond. 888-885-PLAN is that number, 888-885-7526. Kevin, thanks for the show this week and for your great insights, and we'll look forward to picking up the conversation next time around.
0: Yeah, it was fun, Walter. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Sounds great. That's Kevin Ray. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Simply Financial.